The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 339. I am Jimmy Kemsky from chillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. We will be getting to the Eagles first of two joint practices with the Cleveland Browns. But before we do, Wrong Crowd Beer Company, visit them online, wrongcrowdbeer.com. Order up some delicious beers including quarterback factory which is uh, i think it's coming out it's either already out or it's coming out very soon i gotta look into that but uh our friends at wrong crowd beer company are sending us some quarter or some uh quarterback factory beer uh in the very near future so i'm very uh very much looking forward to trying those visit them in westchester pa uh as i said it's a brewery very cool place uh, lots of TVs, food, good times, beer, go visit them or order beers online or go to your local, uh, place of business where they sell beer. And if they don't have wrong crowd beer, say, what the hell, dude, get some wrong crowd beer in here. What are you doing? Nerd. Why do you not have wrong crowd beer? It's crazy. Anyway, uh, Brandon, how you doing, buddy? To me, the QB factory name is appropriate with Tanner McKee. Being the latest member of that <laughs> true. said yeah. thing, uh, I think real quickly I wanted to get to some preseason game takeaways since we didn't talk to the good people here since the Eagles lost to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens extended their streak. I won some money on that because I bet on the Ravens to win the game because I was like, <laughs> they're going to care about it way too much. This seems like an easy bet. Um, I only won a couple bucks, but whatever. And they did because they 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 saved Snoop Huntley until the second half. Would you get out of here, John Harbaugh, loser? It's ridiculous. Very bizarre. Uh, same thing with like Melvin Gordon too, right? Like he's out there. This is like an established player playing late yeah. in the game. In any case, whatever. Final score doesn't matter a ton. But uh, I think I had four people, Jimmy, who really I think like I, I looked after that game and like these four players really stood out. I'll run through those really quickly. Yep. I think that is Jalen Carter. Obviously, yep. stole the show with just like one rep, two snaps. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, and like went up against a credible player. Like Ben Cleveland has started in the NFL. Um, it's currently a backup for the Ravens, 
played at Georgia. Uh, if, I, if I didn't say it already, third round pick went up against like a credible. It wasn't like you know he's going up against, with all due respect, like our, our good friend Jim Okorafor here. You know, yeah, like yeah, clearly yeah. an overmatched GDFA or something. Like he went up against an experienced, like real NFL player, and just made him look <laughs> like really bad. Yeah, that guy, that guy's three seventy pounds. That's mm. just a bad matchup for him. And you know, if if he's going up against these bigger right guards, that's a problem for them because. He can not only win with power, but also, as you saw on that play, it was actually kind of sort of a combination of power and quickness uh, on that play. The guy can play. I mean, there's yeah. no question about it, like how talented he is. It's just can he put it all? Can he put it all together for a long period of time for the Eagles? But there's little doubt that he's going to have these moments, uh, even in his rookie season coming up. Yeah, the upside is clearly there. Number two of four, I have DeAndre Swift. I mean, clearly yep. he had that great run. Um, really just like showing a different skill sets too on that run where, you know, he has the elusiveness. He, he jukes the defender there, cuts back against the defense. And then the run through contact, not something I expected, you know, not something DeAndre Swift is necessarily like known for, um, but certainly just ran over a defender as well. And then was clearly like, and also like flexed a little too, as he should. And it was clear at that point that like, okay, you know, we can see, what DeAndre Swift can do. He doesn't need to be really playing in the preseason at all anymore. Go on. Who's your next guy? And then number three, I have uh, Tanner McKee, who I mentioned, I think looked mm-hmm. really good. I mean, I'm not like shocked by this again. I, when I watched the Stanford film, obviously it wasn't like, Oh my God, this guy's amazing. But like, Oh, there's something here. Like, there is, yeah. this isn't just Clayton Thorson or a waste of a pick. Like, I don't see this appeal at all. That's not, that's not what I was saying. I was like, Oh, like this guy, like this, looks like he can kind of play a little bit. And I thought for a six-round rookie, he was making like some pretty impressive, like trusting back shoulder throws. Uh, so I thought that was really good by him. I liked, you know, obviously it wasn't perfect. The final stats, I don't think, did his it's actual- ten of twenty for like one hundred and forty-eight yards, QB rating of like seventy something. But three of his passes were dropped. Yes, and a couple others, you know, they could have been brought in but weren't. Uh, then there was the one down the field where Ngata got called for OPI. Yeah. Certainly, that was a great throw as well. He was on fire. Like he, like he did have a couple of throws that he missed. Like there was one really easy yes. one to the flat to Rashad Penny, but I the the good far far outweighed the bad. Yeah, a few stinkers in there for sure. But that like you know he's a rookie and he's a six round pick, so yeah. to be expected, there's going to be some bumps along the way. But that looks like a guy who legitimately can be, assuming he continues to progress and things go well, you know. And also, hey, I meant to mention, uh, he had a nice little seven-yard run in there, too. It didn't look like he was a total statue. Like, he showed a little bit of mobility. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, that's something. But back to my point, I was saying that, you know, if he continues to progress, I think, at this rate, then that's a guy who could conceivably be a very valuable backup to have on a cheap rookie deal for the next couple of years or so, and a potential trade asset in the future if things go really well. I mean, I saw some people even saying that, like, maybe he should be the number two, or maybe he should be in the mix the number two. Yeah, and, that's a little premature. And that's premature, <laughs> and that's not going to happen from the jump, certainly. But if, for some, God, you know, God forbid, Jalen Hurts misses significant time, and Mariota is more of what he's been, which is really good runner, Passer, not so great, and missing some wide open throws. If it gets to the point where, you know, uh, Mariota's kind of looking like Minshew Minshew did in the Saints game last year, 
for a couple games. Well, then maybe you think about it, depending on how the offense is doing. So uh, there are plenty of teams that like have to dip into their third quarterback. That too. I mean, there's a every year happens. 49ers. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, it does happen. And maybe he's this year's Brock Purdy. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, great game. And then my last of the four big names was uh, Sidney Brown. It's not like he had an interception or forced fumble or anything like that, but he had this. He was just everywhere. He was like flying around. He was always near the ball. And, you know, there's, I think there's, it like, can be a double-edged sword in terms of you want to, you know, he needs to be playing under control, but in terms of the athleticism and you've talked about like, or you phrased it as in plays with his hair on fire. Certainly he mm-hmm. does because he's active and, you know, I think we're going to continue to see him uh, progress here in the preseason. And I saw enough there to be like, okay, you know, there's definitely some talent here. Um, we'll see, you know, how this manifests moving forward as he continues to get more reps and whatnot. Um, but those were my big four. Did anyone else stand out to you in a meaningful way? Yeah, I got one more. Eli Ricks with the pick six, obviously. But even beyond the pick six, uh, he made a lot of other nice plays. And I li- I like his play demeanor on the field. I like a I'm surprised he didn't that... get penalized. <laughs> he was like really <laughs> going like above. Yeah, the yeah. But I like a chippy corner. And that's sure. what he was in that game. And um, the play that he made, you like even Jerry in the Williams locker room after the game. Fletcher? And What's that? EJ Biggers, you said you like a chippy corner. Yeah, yeah. He uh, even after the game, you know, I asked that was him a Chip Kelly joke. <laughs> what he, uh, you know, what he saw on that play, and he just kind of dismissed it as like nothing. He's like, you know, uh, they had run a couple of those patterns already, and the quarterback locked in on him. Like he, I knew where he was going with the ball. It was easy. I just jumped the route and I picked it off and brought it back. So like he wasn't even like. Uh, uh, like sort of um, unrealistic about the play that he made. He was very honest about the yep. play that he made. It was it was an easy play to make. And then, like I said, he made a lot of other nice plays uh, in that game. He had a couple other, I think two other pass breakups in that game. Uh, so encouraging for him. I don't know if the Eagles can keep seven corners, mm. but they've done stuff like that before. I think ultimately what you want to make sure you do is you're keeping the players that are worth keeping. And then if that just happens to be more players at one position and maybe go light at others. I'd rather have the better player than, you know, you have like lesser players just because you don't have enough guys at that position. You can also mention Mikai Gardner who had the forced fumble. And then Mario Goodrich had a couple breakups. He looked good as mm-hmm. well. So kind of an interesting spot there in terms of the depth and who could be competing. Someone who did not look good was Greedy Williams, who, uh, we have been saying it's not looked good in camp. Yeah, certainly. I mean, he's he, he's a reason why they lost the game in terms of like if he makes that tackle towards the end of the first half. There, Justin Tucker doesn't get a field goal oh, attempt. Right. Yeah, and you know that's in a game they lost by what one point or whatever, a couple points. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter again the the result, but the the point is like you know didn't make a crucial play in the game. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Eagles do with those guys. Obviously, can't keep them all. Uh, I think Ricks has not really had like an amazing camp. Not, I wouldn't say a bad one, but this hasn't really stood out a ton. But that was yeah, eye opening. Right? Yeah. So, um, good for him. And we'll continue to see over these next couple of preseason games who kind of rises, who falls, and same things with the joint practices. Which, as you said, we were at the Eagles Browns joint training camp practice, the first of two on Monday. What stood out to you most, Jimmy? Yeah, um, 
not to start out on a negative note, but Jordan well, I mean, got killed. It's the reality. Mike <laughs> gets got killed by uh, Miles Garrett all day. And this, you know, this is an observation that isn't necessarily like, uh oh, Jordan Mailata, should we worry? Up type of observation. It's more just Miles Garrett is a freaking stud. Like that guy is, I mean, ran around Mailata, ran through him. You don't see guys run through Mailata ever. Like it just doesn't happen. He's a brick wall. You got you got run through on one play by Miles Garrett, and like, kind of remind it's kind of a reminder. Like Miles Garrett is an elite player in the NFL. I looked up his stats. I was like, I was I was curious what they were. And he's had double digit sacks each of the last five seasons. He had sixteen last year. He had sixteen the year before. I mean, we're just, he's just a great great player, and um, it's interesting to sort of watch Mylotta and Garrett interact. Uh, like not during the practice, you know, they, they talked for a while before the practice and they talked for a while after the practice was over. And they did the same thing when the Eagles and Browns had joint practices uh, a year ago in Berea, Ohio. Um, and by the way, my like got wrecked by, by Garrett in those practices too. So it's not necessarily a big concern of mine. And um, I think that like, this is what these joint practices are for to go against you know, particularly for like a guy like Mylotta or for like Devonte Smith, who's gone against good corners all you know training camp against like James Bradbury and and Darius Slay, but now he goes against the Browns. He goes against a different kind of great cornerback in Denzel Ward. But you know, Mylotta getting an opportunity to play against Josh Sweat every day, you sort of kind of get to know what what to expect from him, and and you can you know adapt to him and and play well against him, even though he's a great player in his own right. But then you throw Miles Garrett into the mix and it's a totally different animal. So like uh, he struggled with him, no doubt. But uh, you know, I think that this is what these joint practices are for to play against other good players. And I actually think this Browns team is really talented. Mm. Like you look around and they just have like, like great players like Nick Chubb, like Miles Garrett, like Denzel Ward, a lot of like, like Zadarius Smith. I forgot that he played for them. So, I mean, they they have a, a lot of, a lot, yeah. Amari Cooper like had a really qu- quietly had a great season last year after the Cowboys. What did the Cowboys trade him for again? I forget what it was, but it was not like uncomparable or incomparable or uncomparable, whatever, to what the Eagles got for Jalen Rager. It was like in that realm. <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, my lot of really struggled against uh, against. Uh, What's his name again? Miles Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, I think that's just what these, what these joint practices are for. Not, not cause for alarm, but you know, it's just, I think just look, looking at that matchup and sort of how that went, it's why you do this. It's also, I think pretty common, I think in general NFL joint training camp sessions where one team might win one day and then the next day the other team is like fired up to correct all those mistakes so they yeah. come out on top. So I would not be like shocked, you know, if the Eagles look like the better team on Tuesday and they come out and they have a lot more juice. Um, you know, our good friend ESP made this observation and that was something I was thinking about during practice um, early on when the defense was the Browns defense was making some plays against the Eagles and the Browns were fired up and I thought they brought a little more juice than the Eagles had. And it makes me think back to remember when I talked about how like lifeless the Jets were when the Eagles practiced against them in 2021. (laughs) It's just like the Eagles were crushing them and the Jets just didn't even seem to like care. Like they were just kind of just like, yeah, whatever. And uh, not to say the Eagles were on the Jets level, but certainly I think you can kind of get a sense of which team is a little bit more juiced up here 
Mm-hmm. And that makes sense from a standpoint of, you know, the Browns are this team historically not good, coming off not a great season. They're going up against a team that uh, just went to the Super Bowl, you know, so they want to show up. And they're also uh, on the road. You know, they're in this different in- facility and environment, and there's a lot of Eagles fans there. So, that you know, they want to uh, show up and bring the juice and, like, uh, you know, show up, show up and show out, if you will. On Miles Garrett, he is one of the two players in the NFL, along with TJ Watt, who has more sacks than Hassan Reddick since yeah. you know twenty twenty. So yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Hassan Reddick is pretty good, and somehow that guy has more sacks than Hassan Reddick. So uh, he was amazing. Browns defensive line as a whole is talented, like you said. You mentioned Zadarius Smith in there. Dalvin Tomlinson has been you know a pretty yeah. good defensive tackle. Uh, so and they also hey they have a guy running their defense who might know a thing or two about a productive defensive line and a good defense overall. as of course, old friend Jim Schwartz, who was there. So uh, I think that certainly helps as well. Uh, yeah, my general takeaway was that if you had to like, you know, call win or loss for these practices, I think it was a loss for the Eagles. But I think it was kind of not as close early on. Like it was kind of like the trajectory was a bit of a blowout at first, especially mm-hmm. I was – I was trying to watch, you know, both fields, the Eagles offense versus the Browns defense and then the Browns offense versus the Eagles defense. And I think I think I was ca- kind of catching more of the Browns offense against the Eagles defense. It wasn't pretty. There was uh, some deep passes that were being completed. Deshaun Watson looked a lot better than he did last year in camp and he was making some good throws. Uh, and even sometimes when the he wasn't it was clear like a Browns receiver was open in the secondary and the Eagles didn't have necessarily great coverage on him. So a little, not the best thing to see, but I think later in practice, of course, this coincides with miles Garrett leaving practice. So that certainly helped. Uh, I think the Eagles offense kind of closed the gap a bit towards the end, but I think it was kind of like too little too late. And I'd still give the overall day to the Browns. I'd give it to the Browns as well. Um, did think, uh, couple interesting things at the safety position uh, for the Eagles. Interesting development in that Sidney Brown got a bunch of first team reps, uh, as you pointed out in your notes. I wouldn't call it necessarily a, a, a total mixed bag between the ones and the twos, but there were mm-hmm. some guys that have gotten, you know, first team reps pretty, you know, pretty consistently throughout camp, but have also gotten second team reps like, um, like Christian Ellis and Nicholas Morrow. Who else was out there during during the session? Win? Yeah, so they like Nona Kobe Dean and then Derek Barnett was at defensive end. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but Sidney Brown got a lot of first team reps uh, at safety yesterday. Last night we we're recording this, by the way, in the morning on uh, Tuesday. Um, if this were just an ordinary Eagles only practice, probably wouldn't necessarily mean a whole lot that Sidney Brown got first team reps. But I think in these joint practices, it does because just to kind of set the, the stage. The, like the third teamers don't really play <laughs> at all in these practices. Like they, they'll get like some scattered reps, maybe in like one on ones or seven on sevens. But during the eleven on eleven sessions, you're not seeing Tanner McKee out there. It's just basically Jalen Hurts and and Marcus Mariota and the ones and twos, and mu- a lot more of the ones than the twos. So you know he he appears to be ascending on the depth chart, which you know we all expected to kind of happen. He was started camp with the threes, which you know I think there's a reason they put him back there. Um, they want him to kind of develop at his pace. And I think he has to some degree. Um, there's one play where he came blitzing off the left edge and man got there quick. And I'm not totally sure if he got a sack because it was from my vantage point. It was tough to see. It looked like he did, but man, coming off the edge, like he exploded at the snap 
and and he got there. And then the other safety that just continues to really play well is Reed Blankenship. He picked off Deshaun Watson uh, in seven on sevens, a pass breakup on the play by Zach Cunningham, who I think has actually been okay since he joined the team. Uh, Blankenship was around the ball pretty much like all day. Always seems to be in the right spot. There are two other plays where the ball either bounced off a Browns receiver or was tipped or whatever. And he had a chance to make another intercept. He had a chance to, to, to make an interception, just couldn't you know quite get there in time. But he's always like right in the right place. And if you're like, if there's a mistake, he can make you pay just because of he knows where to be. Um, so I like the I like the potential tandem. That's like at some point, if Sidney Brown can become one of the team starters, whether that's week one or later into the season, I kind of like Reed Blankenship and, and Sidney Brown on the back end who kind of complement each other. in like, like you said, Sidney Brown's hair is on fire and he's flying around all over the place. I think you can get away with that to some degree when the other safety is, you know, maybe I don't want to say plays conservatively, but it's just always in the right spot. You yeah. can maybe get away with some of that stuff. Uh, with the other safety kind of flying around and trying to make plays, which of course the the downside of that is you might give up some big plays. But when the other safety is so good, just in terms of knowing where he has to be, you can maybe get away with that a little bit. I think that's a fair, yeah, point there. I think you, yeah, it's it's not like Sidney Brown's always freelancing, but I think he's more likely to do that a little bit than yeah, Reed Blankenship would be. Where he again, I I said that that's his calling card is just knowing always knowing where to be. So I think that's a fair point. You mentioned Zach Cunningham in there. Uh, I was going to save him, but I now that you brought it up, I don't want to forget. Yeah, I mean, I think he's clearly looked better than Miles Jack, which is a little bit funny because Miles Jack has, I think, generally gotten more first team work yes. than Zach Cunningham has. And I would, from the Eagles, I would start to flip that a little bit because I think Cunningham should be more in the mix with what he's shown. He had a pass breakup against Grant Calcaterra last week in practice, and then in this practice against the Browns. Actually had a chance to intercept Deshaun Watson. You would have liked to see him make the play, but mm-hmm. he broke it up and he created an interception on a tip ball for Reed Blankenship. So that's good. And then I thought later in practice, I saw Cunningham uh, explode into the backfield and have a nice tackle for loss. So yeah, I'm definitely seeing some things out of him that make me say, okay, I want to see a little bit more here. He might be able to kind of be in the mix here, probably next to Nicobe Dean or at least a rotational guy. Um, because, you know, the Eagles are still messing around with Nicholas Morrow and Christian Ellis in those roles. But, yeah, I would say Zach Cunningham's stock is slightly or slowly but surely rising here. So definitely want to see more out of him. Uh, I think, you know, we, we brought up the Eagles offensive line and Jordan Mailata having struggles against the uh, the Browns pass rush and defensive line and whatnot. <laughs> well, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. The Eagles defensive line was also having some success against the Browns. Uh, they got to Deshaun Watson, I think, quite a bit. Yeah. I saw, uh, they're, you know, not like to the point, I think, maybe, whereas I think the Browns would have been a little bit more disruptive in terms of the Eagles offense couldn't even necessarily like function sometimes. Right. And some of these throws. Thank that, you, Miles Garrett, again on that one. <laughs> and some of the throws that Hurts was getting off were like, you know, after he was quote unquote sacked already, or at least near sacked. Uh, but the Eagles did get to Deshaun Watson quite a bit. I saw Hassan Reddick, uh, Nolan Smith, Josh Sweat. They all had sacks on him. And I think later in practice, I didn't like see. I didn't have a great angle on this. Um, did you see how Jalen Carter was playing? Because it seemed like people were really high yeah. on him late in practice. Active and disruptive. Um, I thought he made actually a few nice plays against the run. And there was one play late in practice where 
uh, I think it was a bad exchange between Watson and mm. the running back, and he recovered that fumble. Um, but yeah, I thought he had a nice follow up to you know the big play that he made in the in the preseason game on the Josh Sweat sack that you mentioned. The Eagles actually showed an interesting look there where Fletcher Cox played on the edge and Josh Sweat was inside. Yes. So they kind of switched and Sweat was lined up against the right guard and just killed him. Like like the right guard just had no chance of blocking him uh, on that. I didn't catch the number of the Browns player, but I think it was their first team offense. And he got right in like in a heartbeat and and sacked Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, I thought there was encouraging stuff uh, from the Eagles pass rush and just their defensive line in general on the day. You said first team Browns right guard. Is that is that not Wyatt Teller? Like Wyatt Teller's a pretty good if, player. Yeah, I, I think it was their first team offensive line. I think it was because um, Watson was in there. Yeah, I mean Wyatt Teller's a good player, so that's the case. Like that's a pretty. Or wait, you said left guard or right guard? Right guard, because mm. Sweat was rushing off the left side of the Eagles line. Okay, just well, just killed whoever whoever it was just killed him. You so you said right. It, so left, Browns right still, guard. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That would that would be Wyatt Teller, and their yeah. left guards Joel Batonio. Either way, Batonio, those, are, yeah. those are good guards. Uh, yeah. So, no, their offensive line is awesome. Like they they have they have a, one of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh. Yeah. So. Okay. Um. What else do you have? So, uh, James Bradbury was playing sort of an interesting role at times yesterday. You know, not the whole day, but at times he looked almost kind of looked like he was playing sort of like a quasi linebacker kind of role, mm-hmm. and that makes a lot of sense. Like if you're playing against a team that has like a really good linebacker or excuse me, linebacker tight end, um, you know, James Bradbury is a candidate to, you know, cover that guy. I mean, we're talking like third and long type situations where, you know, they're not going to run the ball. But if you have like a Travis Kelsey on the other team, you want James Bradbury covering him or do you want Mm -hmm. Christian Ellis covering that guy? You know, so like that's a no brainer to me. And I think that, you know, the Eagles at times might have been smart to do that in the Super Bowl. Would have been nice if uh, Jonathan Gannon was preparing for the Super Bowl instead of <laughs> looking for, for a head coaching job. Because mm. uh, they didn't think of that in the Super Bowl. He didn't, James Bradbury wasn't out there covering Travis Kelsey in that game. But I do think that his skill set as a bigger corner, you know, has some physicality to match up against tight ends. It really makes a lot of sense. And we may see that this year. Really quick, Jonathan Gannon tangent. For the people who have been defending him, I've alluded to that earlier uh, in this series of Training Camp Daily Podcast, uh, specifically on the Eagles media beat. I mean, his defense allowed a lot more points in the Super Bowl than their original score predictions were going into that game. So I went back and looked that up. So by their own standards, he did (laughs) not play well. And by the way, you you can take out, okay, the Eagles only allowed 31. Expose him! BLG. There was a defensive touchdown in there, (laughs) sure. But the Chiefs also ended the game opting for a field goal when they could have had a touchdown if they wanted it. You know, was it Pacheco at the end of the game? Right, right. Yeah. Purposely didn't go into the end zone. Yeah, they bled out the rest of the clock and kicked the field goal. Exactly. But if they wanted the touchdown, they could have had it. So, like, that evens out a little bit. Anyway, this is a quick tangent. Um, my thing First of all, he's indefensible he was pretty he was trying to get a head coaching job instead of preparing for the super bowl it's how, how is that how can anyone defend that it's I crazy don't want to i can't <laughs> and from a vibe perspective just i can't see how he passes that test for anyone anyway uh my next point is Devonte smith looks pretty good uh it's funny because i remember Breaking. I like, didn't didn't he have a really good training camp <laughs> Uh, practice against the Browns last year, and he did. He I did. looked back at my yeah. notes. 
something about it just uh and i think i think i don't know if the cornerbacks were the same i mean no they weren't the same because ward, ward wasn't didn't there. practice in those practices yeah i don't think if i and recall I don't there was know. a lot of there's a lot of greedy williams getting dusted by Devonte yes. and aj brown last year <laughs> yes there was i remember and that's part of why i was not so in on greedy this year on the eagles but yeah Devonte looked good I thought he could have had – he so he had a couple of deep receptions. I think one of those might have been when Hertz was kind of already sacked or whatever. But still, like the receivers were still, were still you know, playing. The receiver and cornerbacks were still playing like the rep was going on. And Devontae made some good catches down the field. He looked pretty tough to cover, was good in one-on-ones as well. And then I thought um, if Hertz didn't underthrow Devontae, like just not like majorly, but a little bit, uh, Devontae – um, would have had a couple more deep catches down the field, a little bit better ball placement. One of those plays was when like, it turned into a 50-50 contested catch when it didn't. I thought it didn't have to be. You know, mm-hmm. Denzel Ward ended up making the play. Devontae had his hands on it. I think Ward had more of it, especially as they went to the ground, was ultimately able to get the pick. Uh, I think, again, a better throw there is a touchdown to Devontae. And then there was another one later in practice where I think it might have been Ford, Mike Ford, who was covering uh, – Devonte and again a little bit underthrown. He was able to to break it yeah, Devontae up. Devonte had that guy beat and that, and yeah and it, like if a, a good throw is a touchdown yeah. and that guy was celebrating like he won the Super Bowl after breaking up yes, that pass. Yes, he was. So yeah, I don't <laughs> think this was if we're going to touch on Hurts a little bit. I don't think this was the sharpest practice for him. Uh, part of that is the offensive line situation was not great for him. At the same time, you know, I think there are probably some reps in there where. He, probably could have afforded to get the ball out a little bit quicker. So uh, I'm not going to say none of it was him, uh, but I, I, you know, not a surprise. Devontae Smith has had a good camp, but I think this is one of his better days as a whole. Uh, I am tallying up the punters hang times right oh, now. Oh boy. Sipos had 4.35, 4.66, 4.38, and 4.51 divided by 4.0. Average of 4.48 stinks. Not good enough. Just It's just not good enough. And one of those punts was especially short. One, I'll give him credit. It was a bad high snap uh, from Rick Lovato. And he he was able to corral it. And then he kind of did like a rugby style uh, kick, sort of uh, impromptu, and got it off. But that's just not good enough hang time. And distance, and one of the, one, I mean, one of those punts was really short, really short. I couldn't see the distances overall, but very short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ty Zentner, 4.18, 3.80, for an average of 4.18. Why is he still here? That stinks. Why is he still here? And, <laughs> and the one the one that was 3.80, which is obviously a terrible hang time, was also very short. It's, neither are just not they're just not good enough they're, they're just not good enough punters they get the eagles have to continue to look for more punters uh i mean sipas i think had a better summer last year than he has so far this year but we can't trust him like at the end of like at the end of the season he's choked in two straight playoffs i i wouldn't be i wouldn't be able to trust that guy going forward and then zentner has done nothing to really challenge him for the starting punter job they have to look there. I looked at like all the teams that have two punters in camps and there are eight total. So the Eagles aside, there's seven teams that have two punters. The Eagles have to be looking at hard at those guys to, and hope that maybe one of them, <laughs> one of them cuts a decent punter because I mean, I don't think the Eagles are going to be punting a ton 
this year. Their offense is awesome, and they're going to score a lot of points. But you can't have another situation in the playoffs where the punter just sort of messes the game up. Mm. And he's done it two straight years. So there's one spot on the roster that's just very clearly in the bottom five of the league. It's punter. I don't think Zentner should be on the team anymore. Like he's not even, it's not like it's a real competition. I mean, just if I were them, I would just cycle through. Okay. This guy is not even cutting it close. Like bring in another undrafted another guy. Free. I agree. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, I don't care who it is. Just get more. Look, Ryan Stonehouse last year was like, what? One of the better punters in the NFL. He was an undrafted rookie free agent. Like you can yeah. get guys who are undrafted. Like just try out more options. Do it. <sighs> anyway. Uh, last thing I had, I love your exasperation at that. The, well, at it's the just like, position. it's just pathetic because <laughs> it's like, I just feel like how he's like, well, it doesn't matter. And he's kind of not entirely wrong. It doesn't matter a ton. It doesn't matter more than anything, but it matters more than nothing. And it just doesn't seem like they're taking it seriously at all. Despite the fact it was a major reason they lost their last two playoff games in the past two years. Not the only reason, but it was a significant factor. And they had opportunities to draft guys, and he clearly just doesn't believe in that. And I don't think that's insane, but it's like, I don't know, maybe just get a little more serious about it. It's almost like this was a competition just to satiate the need for people. Like, you know, it's like, oh, well, we tried. We brought someone in. Yeah, you, it's okay that like, you brought in, like, it's like in wrestling, the term is a jobber for someone who just clearly is like no chance of <laughs> Barry a jobber. What's yeah. that? <laughs> there was a guy named Barry O when I was okay. a kid that would just go in and get and just get wrecked by Big John Studd or whoever. I feel like that's what they're doing here. They just brought in a jobber just to be like, well, Sipos won. Well, yeah, he won against like no competition. Like it's not even a fake. Coco Beware was another one. <laughs> it's not even a real battle. So <laughs> I feel like that's where the Eagles are at. Coco Beware had a parrot and he did like a parrot dance when he came out. Nice. And then he would get killed by like King Kong Bundy. Uh, these are before my time, but I was more of like... You don't know who King Kong Bundy was? I mean, I've heard... I know I actually played the... That was actually a really good video game. Like the WWE or F, whatever it was called at the time. Um, there was like a wrestling game, but it was like the Legends. It was like them and the old school Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and yeah. uh, the Road Warriors and all those guys. And that was actually like a really good game. I really loved playing that game. Uh, but I don't, I'm not as familiar with all the names you're saying. All right, I had one more thing, and that was Nicobe Dean. I thought he actually made a big play for one time. and He actually flashed, but I wasn't sure because uh, there was a pass that went over the middle, short pass, and James Bradbury was also in the area, and I thought mm -hmm. Bradbury celebrated more than Nicobe did, so I, I think I might just give it to Bradbury. <laughs> and he is a – I mean, Bradbury is more of a penchant for breaking up passes than Nicobe does anyway, so I'm yeah. going to give him – Oh, oh yeah, I, I know a player you're talking about. Bradbury got that. Yeah, I agree. Brad, Brad, I saw it. Yeah, He Bradbury, celebrated. Bradbury he, like, did, it. you know, yeah. incomplete – why would he do that if Nicobe, like, made the play? Yeah. It would be kind of strange. Yeah. Um, I saw some others tweet out that Nicobe did. I was wasn't sure about that. No, that, from my vantage point, I could see that one pretty good. I agree. Bradbury That's what I also that. had. But uh, other than that, the only time I noticed Nicobe, and this isn't maybe like the, you know the most telling situation, but I I had a peek at him in the linebacker running back one on ones when the Eagles and Browns were doing one on ones all over the field, and I saw him get beat by the Browns fourth string running back a couple times. The guy's name I had to look it up here. I forget. It's like. Some kind of generic name. John Kelly Jr. Uh, lost a couple one-on-ones battles to him. And one rep specifically, it was like he wasn't even in bad position. He was in good position. But he was like just too small. Like his arm was too small. 
height, like, you just look too small to defend the pass. So, um, not the end of the world, but really would love to see anything out of N'Kobe Dean and still not seeing it. Didn't really do much in team drills. So, still waiting, still waiting for that flash moment. Just not seeing it. Uh, I, I don't think he played. So there was some, I saw some consternation that he wasn't playing in the preseason game on Saturday. I mean, I think that's still injury related. Like he he had returned to practice on Thursday for the first time after missing five te- days of team drills or whatever. But that was a light practice on Thursday. And I don't think they wanted to risk injury. So they, I don't think they played him on Saturday for that reason. I think if he had been fully healthy, I think they would have played him in that game even just for a little bit. It's like they played Jordan Davis, for example. So um, maybe they put N'Kobe a little bit in for the Browns get here just to get him like some kind of action, game action. He can't Uh, play not like he can't just not play during the preseason. I agree. He's got to play at some point. Yeah. What has he proven? Like, you're just like, well, yeah. yeah. And this this game would make the most sense. The the game against the Browns would make the most sense because you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to be putting guys in in the third game. The, yeah. the game closest to the regular season. You don't want to be doing that. I agree. So I think we will see him this week in game action. We'll be interested to see what that looks like. I think he's been better in game action than practice action. So there is that, but we still need to see it. All right, Jimmy. Why don't we take a break here? But not before I tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. You can go to RighteousFelon.com and check out all of the great products they have to offer. We mentioned the Teriyaki Balboa is their new flavor that it's very exciting. Uh, oh, Dan Klausner also mentioned our good friend, Dan, who works for Righteous Felon. He sent a screen, uh, a, a screenshot, I believe something. He sent us a picture last week. Guess who had some Righteous Felon craft turkey next to them in the dugout as he was throwing a no hitter. Mm, uh, no kidding. Phillies no hitter uh, since Cole Hamels did it in what? 2015 or so. That's right. Michael Lorenzen had some righteous on craft jerky, like sitting right next to him in the dugout as he was throwing this no hitter. And Dan grabbed a screenshot of it and sent that over to us. So uh, if you want to throw a no hitter as well, then you clearly have to get right to selling craft jerky in your life and go to right to selling.com. Use discount code BGN 20 for 20% off your order to get 20% off. Do it today. BGN 20 at RightToSellin.com for 20% off your order. Same discount code works at WildRanger.com for 20% off dog treats. Jimmy. You want to really impress me, Michael Lorenzen. Have some wrong crowd beer Wow! during your next start and throw a no-hitter then. Well, maybe after that's, the game would be better. That's a challenge I'm throwing now. Right in, the, right, in the, right in the inning, in between innings three and four, pound of beer. Let's see what you can that do. That would be pretty crazy if you did that. All right. <laughs> There's a there's actually a uh, an infamous story of a guy that was on LSD. Yes, and either uh, either through a no hitter or a perfect game. I think that's nuts. It's pretty anyway. nuts. <laughs> We're not recommending that. No. <laughs> to be clear, don't do that. No. <laughs> All right, back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate 
in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, it is time for the Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com Daily Training Camp Awards. Kristen cares about these a lot. Uh, if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you should contact this phone number. 856-906-9295. I actually had to look that number up to say it myself to me when I did a solo pod late last week. So you yeah, would think okay. I would know it, but I still, I'm never going to know it. I'm just not going to know. It's not even a hard phone number to remember. It's actually pretty easy, I feel like. But uh, here I am. All right. My MVP for day 11 of Eagles training camp, the first round practice, I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. I thought he looked really good. I think he's had a camp that is deserving of multiple MVP points, and I believe he only has one so far in camp here, if I'm not mistaken, as I search through. So uh, I think he deserves a little bit more love than that. And I'm going to give him credit with an MVP point. Yeah, he's a stud, clearly. And I think, like, during training camp, he hasn't been, like, awesome. Like, last year he did during joint practices. But leading up to that, you know, obviously we can tell he's good. But I don't think he was necessarily dominant. But I think he's been pretty dominant throughout throughout this camp. Yes. Um, my MVP is Reed Blankenship. Who, sure. Not for, like, any particularly special like super splashy plays. He had the interception, but it came his way. But I think that play is just sort of emblematic of what he is as a player. Like he's just always right in the neighborhood. And if there's a mistake to be made, he can make you pay. So uh, like close coverage all day. He's where he needs to be in the run game. I think, you know, that's sort of why he proved very quickly to the Eagles defensive staff that, you know, he is clearly their top safety and an obvious starter to them. Um, And he's proven that throughout camp. and, And he had a really good day yesterday. I could be mistaken, but I'm like off the top of my head. I don't think he's had too many dropped interceptions. Seems like he has kind of good hands. So that's, yeah. you know, yeah. making it's, you can say, okay, he just caught a tipped pass, but not all, not every player can do that. Not every player can make the easy plays like that or the plays that are there to be made. And he do, did yep. and does typically. So I think he deserves credit. That's, that's pretty fair. Who's your LVP, Jimmy? I'm going to go. I mean, I, I got to give it to Jordan Mailata. Um, I don't think yep. it's cause for alarm or anything like that because he's going against one of the best players in the NFL. Um, but you know, I mean, he got he got his he got his ass kicked all day. <laughs> like so, like yep. you know, I kind of have to give it to him. So uh, yeah, no worries about Jordan Mailata as a player. He's perfect. You know, he's he's certainly a, a top left tackle in the NFL. Just uh, had a had a shaky day against an elite player. I agree with that. I mean, it's fair to say, you know. But this is what separates, you know, the elites from the elites. If Jordan Mailata is like prime Jason Peters, he's not getting beat probably like he did. Not to say that mm-hmm. he's a bad player, but just like he's he's a he's a very good left tackle, but he's not necessarily, you know, a top two, top three left tackle in the NFL, which is fine. Uh I don't want to By the way, can I make can I make one more point yeah. on that? 
So I, you know, looking back to the NFC Championship game, by the way, there are a lot of things that the uh, 49ers coaching staff got picked on for, like blocking Hassan Reddick with a backup tight end. Yep. Like the challenge, you know, snafus that they had where they didn't challenge the Devontae Smith, you know, what wasn't a catch. Um, other things as well. I think one of the underrated things that they haven't been criticized for is just their willingness to negate their best defensive player by putting him up against Lane Johnson all day. Like they're, the, the Eagles are probably thrilled to see Nick Bosa lining up against Lane Johnson. Oh, you want to just take your own best player out of the game by putting up against the guy that just never gets beat by anyone. Go right ahead. Like, why didn't they have Nick Bosa playing opposite, like on the other side of the field against, against Jordan Milad? It's crazy. It's crazy. Even, why would they do that? There was even talk of Milada being like a weak point, quote unquote, from the 49ers media. I remember going into that game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't know what they're talking about and a lot of the things they were saying before and after the game. Like he's not a weak point, but certainly like he, he's he's the more vulnerable player against a player like Nick Bosa than, you know, than Lane Johnson. I don't want to double ding my lot of here because that just seems tough. And he's never going to get like an MVP, so he's not going to be able to get like redemption yeah. for this. And I don't want the final standings table to look like, well, Jordan Mylotta had a terrible camp. That's not <laughs> yeah, true. Right. So I'm not going to – I do agree. I was thinking about giving it to the Eagles offensive line as a whole, but I think you kind of covered this. And I'm just going to give it to Aaron Sipos because you covered the punting wasn't good. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to him. Okay. Why don't you just give it to both? Why don't you go both? Because Zenner was actually sure. worse give than to, him. I give, know. Give it to like, him both. Again, but it's just like I, don't, I feel bad <laughs> giving him a point because he's, he's, he's not yeah, I get he's it. a jobber. I get, it. I, get like, it. I get it. I don't think he's performing bad relative to expectation. and he's performing to expectation where I think it, Aaron Sipas is performing a little bit below, okay. even low expectation. So, But I'll give it to him, to, to both of them. I'll give them both a negative half point here. Play of the day. What did you have? So there was a play we didn't talk about during the rest of the pod, but Jalen Hurts was rolling to his left. Yes. And he kind of torqued his body and he fired a like, ball is on a line 25 yards or so down the field to, to Devontae Smith. It was wide open, but he hit him in stride. And that's a play that, like, you know, eye opening. Um, wasn't making a lot of those during camp last year, particularly rolling to his left and kind of throwing against his body. And the ball was on the money and also down the field. Really impressive throw on, you know, a day where the offense, you know, looks sluggish. That was one throw and one play that really stood out to me. I agree. That was really good. I also had another Hertz throw that I thought was nice, but even better catch to Dallas Goddard along the mm. right sideline where Goddard made this impressive leaping catch, but managed to also keep both feet in bounds despite yep. going up and getting the ball. Clearly just like, you know, great hands, tough catch. Defender wasn't too far away, um, knew where he was on the field, understood that. Was made it look get, easy. Yep. Made it, like, that was a tough catch for a lot of players. Made it for him. It's pretty easy. So I'll give him credit for that there. And honorable mention, Tyree Cleveland had a really nice back shoulder catch. He's kind of coming mm-hmm. up a little bit here. Had those good connections with Tanner McKee. Also had a couple drops in there. So, but, uh, and I said early on, I think. Before camp, I was like, I was wondering if he can kind of be your Zach Pascal this year. I don't think he's going to make the team, but I think he could be someone you put on the practice squad, maybe call up a little bit here. Right. Yeah. If you uh, have an injury, you can call him up. Yeah. 
So he's playable. I think he's a, I think he's agreed. a playable receiver. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, certainly not someone you want to be on the field if you can help it. But if he has to be, you could do worse replacement level kind of player. Uh, OK, that does it for our episode. Do you have any final thoughts, Jimmy? Mm. You never mm. do. No, I always forget to think of a final thought. Actually, the kitten looks like not going to be up for. Uh, wow. Well, he's going to be adopted, but uh, looks like he's going to go to a friend of ours. So, okay. Uh, yeah, but he found a good home in case you cared about the RJ uh, saga. I'm sure people did. I mean, we have to know. We have to know how it ends. You can't just be like, whatever. <laughs> and I still got to post pictures of him, too, I guess. Okay, awesome. Great. Um, my final thought is that we just need to get this up because we have another day of Eagles training camp practice against the Browns here on Tuesday as we were recording this. So we will be back with you once again with a Wednesday morning record, a record of the next day. And that'll be it for this week in terms of the joint training camp practices. Eagles will be then off in terms of having a walkthrough close to media on Wednesday before they have their second of or they're, they're, yeah, the second of three preseason games, and that's the first one at the link. It's against the Browns. That's on Thursday night. Uh, so that's what's coming up here. Obviously, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate it. Follow us on social media, at Brandon Gowton, at Jimmy Kemsky. Check out my work at BleedingGreenNation.com, Jimmy Kemsky's work at PhillyVoice.com. Check out our sponsors, who we love very much, and I like to emphasize that it's not like we just love them because they give us billions and billions of dollars. It's because genuinely and beer and beer, we believe in their products. We've had them. Um, well, I can't say like I've had Kristen Roach's product in terms of I've not bought an, I've not bought a house from her, but mm-hmm. uh, I've met Kristen Roach and she is incredibly nice. And if I did need to buy a house, I would have no hesitation about reaching out to her and doing that because she's great. So once again, our sponsors are wrong crowd beer you can go to wrongcrowdbeer.com for the best beer in the land, Wrong Crowd Beer Company. You can check out righteousselling.com, discount code BGN20 for 20% off your order. And then Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com, who you can contact at this phone number right here. 856-906-9295. We will be back with you on Wednesday morning. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.